fast forward 16 years later, I'm still at TD. I've been eight years as an executive, really expert in commercial lending and risk management. And I had lent money all across Canada, all different industries. And then my role was eliminated. From Sixth Story, I'm your producer, Diana Hong, and you're listening to Rev Up Your Potential with Hilda Gann, the show where we talk with the entrepreneur next door about the stories behind their success and the lessons they've learned along the way. Today's guest educates young adults and entrepreneurs to take control of their money. She is the professor in the financial services faculty at Centennial College, and she is also the host of the Young Money Podcast. In this episode of Rev Up Your Potential, she and Hilda will talk about what she did to make money at the age of seven and the importance of learning about money at an early age, and why it's okay not to be an expert at everything. So please enjoy our conversation with Tracy Bissett. I learned at a very young age that I loved money, and I don't think it's a bad thing to say that you love money. I do absolutely love money, and I love what it can do. When I was a kid, probably six, seven years old, I wanted to go to the store every day pretty much and buy some treats, whether it's a slushie or some chips or some sour soothers. And so I'd ask my mom for money, and usually once a week, she'd give me a quarter, maybe 50 cents if I was lucky. But the rest of the days, it was too bad. We don't have money for that. Not that we didn't have money, but we didn't have money for me to be going and buying all this junk food. So I figured out ways that I could actually go outside and make some money. So I would have a lemonade stand. I'd have a little yard sale with my friend, Jennifer. We used to do a lot of different things. We'd have lessons like dance lessons, or even we would play wedding and we would charge other kids to come and play with us. So we would do all kinds of things. We had a newspaper, Flashy News, so I could get money to go to the store. Flashy News was the name of your paper, right? Yeah, our little newspaper, yes. And so we'd get our dads to alternate the photocopying and we would color custom covers. So that was all by hand. But I learned that if I can make my own money, then I can use it for whatever I want. I could go to the store every day if I wanted. So I don't think it clicked in like when I was seven years old exactly like that. But I knew from a very young age that if you could make money, then you could do whatever you wanted with it. Nobody could tell you couldn't do things. So it was very empowering. Thanks to your mom for driving you in that direction. I know that you grew up in Nova Scotia and then moved to Ontario. Did that have an impact on you? And what age were you when you that that happened? Yeah, it had a big impact. I was going into grade 11, so it was a hard time to move. I was just going to turn 16. And my dad had avoided transfers our whole life up until that point. We'd only lived in Nova Scotia. And so from his job, like he was open with us as a family that if I don't take this transfer, probably my career will be curtailed. He is working at a big bank in Canada. And so I looked at it as an adventure and I wasn't worried. And then when we got there, I'm like, wow, I don't have any friends. So it's a little bit uh, hard time to move when you're in grade 11. I would say it made me a more versatile, adaptable person because I did have to go and make a whole new group of friends at that age. I only had two years left of high school. I would say for my brother, it was probably a little bit easier. He was only going into grade nine. So he had a lot longer time there. The other thing I would say that was really impactful is where I grew up in Nova Scotia, we didn't have a lot of diversity of different cultures. Mm -hmm. And so when I moved to Ontario, we moved to Oakville. And all of a sudden, there was all kinds of different people that I had never encountered before. So I think that was a really good opportunity for me to learn more about Canada, more about the world. Something else that interesting that happened, my dad went on a development program to Queen's University, so an executive program. And we got to go visit him one of these weekends when 
he was there. And it really opened my eyes because up to that point, living in Nova Scotia, I'd always thought I would live at home. I would take the bus and go to university in Halifax. And it was a very narrow view of what was possible. And so now I went and visited this beautiful campus on Lake Ontario and it reminded me of Nova Scotia. So then I had dreams of going there to school. It's amazing how one shift can cause all these other shifts like dominoes almost in your life when you open yourself up to new things and new opportunities. I think that's so important. I lived in Toronto, grew up in Toronto right up until my 20s. You know, we got married. A couple of years after we got married, my husband decided that he wasn't getting promoted unless somebody retired or died. That That's how he said it. And he decided to start looking and we ended up in Calgary. I think for me, that was one of the most transformative experiences because I was so used to Toronto, I knew everybody, and all of a sudden I get transported to Calgary where I don't know anybody except my husband, and it's a different bit of lifestyle, not cosmopolitan, but really warm and friendly. I always thought if we, if you want to move somewhere, move to Calgary versus moving to Toronto because they're <laughs> so friendly. So I, I think it's good. It opened me to Canada in general, and opened me to being much more adaptable and flexible. So you got that in grade 11. Your brother was lucky. Grade 9, everybody was moving from 8 to 9, so people mm-hmm. would be getting new friends, right? So you started Bissett Finance. Tell, take us through that story. What made you decide to, to open up your own business? So I was very entrepreneurial as a kid. I was really involved with junior achievement in high school as part of the company program. And so I always thought when I joined TD that, oh, I'm just going to work here a few years and then I'll probably either work in one of my customers' businesses or I'll start my own businesses, my own business. And then fast forward 16 years later, I'm still at TD. I've been eight years as an executive really expert in commercial lending and risk management. And I had lent money all across Canada, all different industries. And my last role had a great opportunity to work for the chief risk officer and and support him and his mandate and all of the senior executive. And then my role was eliminated. And again, it's another kind of fork in the road. Where are you going to go? I was really fortunate, had a very fair severance. And so I had the time to think about what are the things that I might like to do in the future. And so I think subconsciously, I didn't get my resume together right away because people were calling me immediately. Hey, we have a risk job over at this bank, this other bank, and risk professionals are in high demand um, if you have experience. And so I wasn't worried about getting a job, but I thought maybe there's something I could do so I don't go through this restructuring every couple of years because it's pretty common in financial services. So I actually thought about what are the things that I like to do and could I make money putting them all together? So I like working with young people and and helping them understand money. I like teaching. That was something I had done at the bank. I had actually developed courses and facilitated quite a few courses for newer lenders. And I really got a lot of um, enjoyment out of that, seeing the light bulbs go on in, in people's heads. I love working with entrepreneurs directly and indirectly. And I had missed them when I was approving loans because I was one step removed from the actual customer. 
So I packaged it all up and I do financial education and coaching consulting. So sometimes I do take contracts. I go and work for financial institutions, but primarily I am coaching with entrepreneurs, either in a group or individually. I've got the Young Money podcast, which is the advice show for young millionaires in the making. And and that allowed me to really be creative again, because uh, when you're working in a big institution, uh, there are lots of rules, lots of process. And so it was really fun starting all that. Certainly not a decision I took lightly, but having the business experience, made a plan, figured out how long it's going to take, uh, found a very first teaching job. I started teaching at Centennial as well as McMaster University. And so built it up slowly and figured it out as I went. I certainly don't have everything figured out, but uh, a lot farther along on my way than I was in 2016. I love your Young Money podcast. When I first heard about it, you know, I thought, oh, this is really good. And then when you started sharing a couple of the episodes, I thought, wow, it's more than just finance. Because I remember the time we were chatting and you actually had a veterinarian on. Mm -hmm. And between you and the veterinarian, it's not just having a pet, but if you're a young person, are you the kind of person that's going to make sure you go home at night on Friday to feed the dog and pee and then go out to the bar and chill with your friends? So some practical things. And what happens if they need medicine? Do you have $500 or $600 for surgery? Because now they've got a hip repair. Maybe that's too cheap. But the point <laughs> was that you made them realize that, oh, yeah, I miss having my dog and I'd love to have it. You give them that practical side and the consequences so that they say, yeah, maybe I should just go home and, and walk the dog whenever and love it, but not have one daily. So I love the fact that you combine and have guest speakers that help those practical aspects. Yeah, I really try to lay uh, frameworks that people can use to help them make decisions. Because with money, like everything else, there is no one way to do things. It's very rare, but some episodes I am on my soapbox and I'm saying never, ever do this. But the majority of episodes are around, if you're going to consider this, what are the questions I think you should be asking yourself? And what is the thought process you should do? Because there's so many different paths to success and everybody's is going to be different. You have this passion for young people. And when you started your business, you decided you'd have a podcast and you chose to make it for young people to help them with their financial planning and, and growth. So where does that come from? I think that the earlier you can learn about money, um, take the mystery out of it, just learn the basics and keep building on that knowledge. I think the more successful your life is going to be, no matter what you do as a job, if you're an entrepreneur, or you work for someone else, because money stress is one of the biggest stresses people face. It can impact your health. It impacts all of your relationships. So I think the earlier you can learn, uh, the better off you're going to be. The school system Canada does a really poor job of educating students about that. And I know we're going to have some changes in the Ontario curriculum, but it, it's still not going to be enough. So whatever people can do. The thing I hear regularly is it's, it should be the parents teaching the kids. And that's not a fair thing to put on parents. Most of them have not ever learned. Nobody taught them. And helping people understand, young adults especially, because at the age, my podcast targets kind of 18 to 30-ish. So they're on that cusp of going to post-secondary. There's a huge expense these days now to go into post-secondary. And you want to make sure you've got the basics down pat, as well as thinking through, how much debt am I going to have to take? How am I going to be able to pay for all this? 
when I'm finished, what kind of job might I get and how much may that pay me? And then what are the goals I'm going to have in life and how might I figure out a plan to get there? So uh, really fun for me. As I said, I teach at Centennial College and so I'm with that age group all of the time and they ask me questions. Sometimes they give me inspiration for the shows and uh, I have them as guests on my podcast too. It's just really a personal passion. And if you have a good life and you can help others, I think that you should take the opportunity to do that. Share what maybe you've learned the hard way and pay it forward. And you just talked about that anytime you can help. You do a lot of volunteerism, um, philanthropy, as I call it. But I thought, okay, maybe people don't know what philanthropy <laughs> is, but you should learn philanthropy. But she does volunteer a lot of her time, Rosie's time, and your finances. Tell us about your volunteering and your love of giving. I think that just fundamentally, if you have a good life, if there are things that are going well for you, you should pay it forward. You should give it back. My parents role modeled giving as a kid. We used to go to church. They would be donating to the church for different things. We would donate for different charities. And that was part of our upbringing. And I think that when we think about giving, we should think about the three things we potentially have to give. We've got our time. We've got our talents. We've got our treasures, which is our money. And so over the years, I've volunteered with big sisters. I've been a big sister many times. Uh, United Way, I've used my talents by doing review of applications looking for funding because I use my finance skills, certainly use my treasures and my resources to help all kinds of different groups. And one of the reasons I'm really passionate about everyone making as much money as they can is because when you do have everything taken care of that you need, a need then you can make decisions about maybe I'm going to work a little bit less so I can volunteer my time. Maybe I'm going to offer some of my services pro bono to another group. Um, maybe I'm going to take uh, some of that money and donate it. And um, Rosie is a golden retriever. She and I are a therapy dog team and we volunteer through Therapeutic Paws of Canada. We visit with seniors uh, during non-COVID time pretty much every Friday afternoon. She loves it and I love it. And we looked, I looked for something that we could do together. The other thing I'm super excited about, as Hilda knows, is I've just launched the Young Money Scholarship Fund. And so that's for post-secondary students studying in Canada. And if I can help in some small way defray a little bit of that expense, it's my dream to do. And it's not for those students who've got the best marks, who have the most volunteer hours or necessarily the most financial need. It is for those who are helping others accomplish goals. It's for those that have a plan for their life. So I encourage everybody to check out the, the Young Money Scholarship. I share it widely. And certainly if you're a post-secondary student in Canada, apply. Tell us a bit more about that scholarship. Is it one scholarship a year or and, and the amount that is given? Uh, there will be multiple scholarships given out several times a year. The first round uh, with a couple of scholarships will be going out in September 2020, likely again after Christmas. And the amounts will vary. Uh, minimum scholarship of 250 but will go higher. And uh, as proceeds from BISIT Financial, my financial coaching and education business will go to fund that scholarship. How long was that <coughs> dream in the making? Oh, I would say it was there probably behind the scenes for a long time. Hilda and I are part of a, a group of uh, women who get together and we work on our businesses. And, and so I stated the intention publicly in January and I, I just made it happen this summer because I said, why wait? What's the holdup? Let's help people now. And it's really fun reviewing the applications. One of the biggest challenges people may not know about scholarships is that people are reluctant to apply. So any post-secondary students that may be listening or people who know those students 
strongly encourage them to apply. Uh, they tend to feel that they're not going to be successful, so they don't bother. And that's one of the the shames around scholarships is that there's not always a lot of applicants. You never know what's going to happen. So give it your best shot. I just feel so happy and excited for you. My husband and I have a scholarship with the University of Toronto for civil engineering. And every year it's for master's students. And so we have a sense of pride of that. And and it goes on in perpetuity. Mm -hmm. So long after I'm gone, my children are gone. That just keeps going. And it's the iTrans OGS scholarship. So if there's anybody out there as well who's in engineering and going through a master's program, there are scholarships out there that you apply for. And if you qualify, you may be given that particular one because there's other ones as well. But it's a great sense of feeling that you can give back. And when you're a successful entrepreneur, and that's part of, geez, one day I want to be so successful that I want to give back. And I'm hearing you, of course, giving back, but giving back to something that has influenced your life, your finance part and helping somebody else. So really good. You're always teaching your passion for teaching. And you've got this boot camp now for cash flow. So tell us a little bit about that and who should be coming to it. (laughs) Absolutely. So it is for entrepreneurs, typically with revenue in the six to seven figure range. And it is a online live group program. And uh, basically we walk through what are the basics of cash flow? How is it different from profit? How can we use cash flow as a tool in our business? We actually get into the nuts and bolts of forecasting and uh, talk through a lot of tips around how do we manage cash flow. Um, For any entrepreneurs listening, one of the things I commonly hear when I start working with clients is that they don't know anything about money. And I can tell you that is absolutely not true. uh, Because if you've been in business for any more than 90 days, you do know how to manage cash flow. You may not do it efficiently, you may not do it eloquently, and you certainly probably don't talk about it the same way I do. But you're doing it and you've figured out a way to make it work. In my banking role, I certainly saw businesses go under in as quick as 90 days. So I invite anybody um, who's interested in really taking charge of that financial position in their company, the cash control piece, to check out the link that Hilda has and join me for that cash control boot camp. We're having lots of fun and the, the best part is the interaction between the participants and all the questions that are coming up because it really sparks a dialogue. You may not know what to ask at the beginning, but you hear other people asking questions and then it prompts you to ask things very specific about your business. Yeah, that's what I find when we have training, whether it's virtual or live training, is that having that group, that synergy, and again, you may not know what you don't know. First of all, you learn. And then when you have learning, you find, oh, that question, that sparks a question for you. Uh, So kudos to you for that. I know we've been talking a lot of of your progress and and things that have happened. Can you share perhaps one of the struggles that you've had during your career and how did you turn that around? Certainly, I would say it's it's probably throughout my whole life, even in my business, is I've got a tendency to be a perfectionist. I love things being perfect. And certainly in my career, there were times I had to be uh, and it was very much needed. Uh, certainly when we were doing things for the external directors of the board at TD Bank, I had to be perfect in the stuff we were preparing. But when I became an entrepreneur, I realized quickly that this just slows down your progress so much. And so I had to do some work internally to get to a place where it's okay enough. 
It is not perfect. But if I don't put it out there into the world, if I don't move on to the next task, I'm not going to have a business because I'll take too long doing every single thing. And so you find that balance of what can go, what can't go. And certainly I would say that not that I've reduced my standards, but I've become more um, okay with things being in differing stages. And um, certainly when you're an entrepreneur, you've got to get stuff out into the world um, so that people can react to it. If you don't have any feedback, you're just kind of toiling away on your own and you don't know if people are going to like what you have to offer. Uh, So I think it's going to be a lifelong thing that I work through, but I'm good at getting it in check. I will talk to myself if I feel like I'm spending too long on something, just get it done. You've only got half an hour and I'll put little time limits on it. Even uh, with the podcast, I'll say, okay, you got an hour, get the episode out. And amazingly enough, you can do that when you try. And do you feel satisfied when it's good enough, depending on the particular situation? You're getting comfortable with that? Yes. And so some things I'm never going to cut on time. Uh, I'm always going to make sure it's perfect. And then there's other things that I know my 75 or 80% is is pretty good. So I'm going to go with that and just keep things moving. The other thing that's been very helpful, as Helda and I have talked about before, but when you put stuff out, especially on social media, you feel like everyone's watching, everyone's looking. Yeah, they're looking for that two seconds, if at all. So nothing is really that permanent. And uh, you have to get over yourself a little bit and just keep things moving so you can advance your business. The other thing too, as a perfectionist, um, tendency not to ask people for assistance. And so as an entrepreneur, I said at the bank, I was an expert in two or three things and I was, but in a business, you've got to wear like 40 different hats. So I had to get help from a bunch of different people and Hilda's my go-to for HR. Uh, So certainly you need to be willing to do that and find the people who can support you because you can't learn everything and you, you can't be an expert in everything. You're not meant to be. I think that's so true for us as entrepreneurs. I'm the HR expert, right? So I always recommend to my clients or prospective clients, if you're going to build something, bring in a seasoned expert to build that foundation and then allow somebody who maybe only has two to three years of HR experience in my case to maintain that. But to expect a two to three year person to create a policy and procedure manual forecasting how you're going to scale, understanding all the complexities and the rules, that's not going to happen. So that's trial and error. And I'm finding myself in that boat now for social media because I'm not an expert. And so after so much training and learning, I thought, thought, okay, Hilda, use your own (laughs) advice. Hire a, a social media expert to create the foundation and then let somebody else maintain it. Not you, but somebody else. <laughs> That's the advice you give other people, Hilda. So follow that for yourself. So you and I are both in that kind of <laughs> situation now where we're looking for people to build our companies up and having those support structures. And one of mine is the social media side of stuff. So I get it. I get it. Any tips you want to share before we leave? Any tips about business, young people, finances? And then I'll ask you how we get a hold of you. But before we go, tips. Couple tips. First of all, I think that either personally or in your business, you need to have a regular time to look at your money. And so I highly suggest at minimum, you've got a monthly meeting, I highly encourage weekly. And um, some of you may not know where to start. So I do have a gift for your audience, Hilda, to download a money meeting agenda. You can head over to bizmoneycoach.ca. So bizmoneycoach.ca to download that money meeting agenda. And the very first meeting might be just looking at the agenda and saying, okay, 
let's see where I'm going to start. Maybe it's looking at your bank accounts. And so make it a priority because as I I mentioned, uh, money permeates every aspect of of our lives. So we want to get on that. Uh, Number two, no matter what you're doing, if you're in a career, in an um, organization, or you're running your own business, make sure you surround yourself with people who have skills complementary to you and who are going through the same thing as you so that you can really lean on them when you need to, or you can get a good kick in the butt if you need a way to progress and uh, you need that support. So make sure you've got good people around you. And the third thing is be kind to yourself, especially when it comes to money matters in your business or personally. Everybody's on a financial fitness journey. Where we start is wherever we are. We try to continue to make forward progress every day. Sometimes we make missteps. It doesn't do you any good to be beating yourself up for that. So be kind to yourself. Start the next day. Keep going on that journey. Those would be my three tips that I think would uh, serve people well who are listening today. Thank you for sharing those because those are very wise words. And thank you for sharing your successes and your struggles, the the perfectionism, which I know about, and the passion that you've had and the kind of, you've been an expert since you were, you were a novice (laughs) at six to seven, but you have that many years of becoming an expert, building on, on money expertise and your passion and desire to educate people and particularly young people and that sense of giving back to the community. Rosie's giving back, you're giving back and now this amazing scholarship. So much thank you. And how do people get a hold of you again? I know you've got a gift for them, but how else would they get a hold of you, Tracy? Best way to reach me is to uh, connect with me on LinkedIn. I would love to hear any questions or comments um, after you've heard today's session. Uh, so Tracy has an E, T-R-A-C-E-Y, and Visit has two S's and two T's. So look forward to um, hearing from those who have comments or questions. And thank you so much, Hilda, for hosting me today. It's been such a fun time. Thanks so much for joining us in this episode. If you're new to Rev Up Your Potential, please visit our website at www.revupyourpotential.ca. There you will find more podcast episodes, videos, and a growing collection of resources to help you rev up your potential. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.